Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading John 3 in the NLT. But first and always we pray. Dear Lord, love reading about uh, your son. I thank you, Lord, so much for sending him and that he is listening and that he is my priest and my intercessor, my best friend walking with me, Lord, um, showing me your Holy Spirit, um, motivating me to go ahead, to go forward, to go to the gym, to do the work the best that I can. Uh, my hope in this world that my life will be about eternal life. It's not just a cold hole in the ground. And that passage, a very famous passage, Lord, is in the Bible. Help me to remember it, to read it properly, to really try to glorify you. I ask for the Holy Spirit. And I ask also that anybody's listening, that they would follow you and that they would know you, Lord, from the depths of their heart and they would give their life to you. And if I could be part of that to influence someone just a little bit, I would be very happy that my wife, that my life, not my wife, but my life, sir, <laughs> has some meaning to you and for them. I pray in the name of Christ, our King. Amen. Okay, so this is a pretty famous uh, chapter because it's got... Uh, it's got two related stories. We first of all got a story about Nicodemus. Uh, he's a devout Pharisee. He's, he's a member of the 70 members of the Sanhedrin. And he's very influential. He comes to see Jesus privately. He's afraid because what they're going to say about him. And it also, uh, there's also the thing is that verses 16 to 21, as I read on BibleRef.com, summarizes the gospel. So John 3.16 is a very famous verse. Everybody knows John 3.16. You know, you say John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I bet you they can finish it, even if they're not believers. And John, Jesus is attracting more followers than John the Baptist, but John is happy. He also says that Jesus must increase, he must decrease. I mean, that's a humble attitude. And I think as people who want to promote Jesus, you know, I don't really need this to be about me. I want to promote my Savior. I want him to increase. You know, I want... I want I want, I want people, I want him to be lifted up. That's that's what I want. You know, it's funny, I will be 70 in, in 2034. In 2034, I'll be 70 years old. So, uh, you know, three score and 10. I mean, uh, this November, I will have gotten the three score part. So, uh, just, I just find it funny. There's a lot of 70s in the Bible. There were 70 elders that went up on Mount Sinai and saw God. Uh, they were, it was like a supper kind of thing. I think it's in Exodus 24, don't quote me on that. And then, of course, 70 people were following Jesus and some of them left. And then he said, uh, he said to the famous words, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter pipes up as he usually does, Lord, where, where am I going to go? <laughs> There's no place else to go. So I kind of feel the same way as Peter, you know. Let's read John 3 in the NLT. John 3 in the NLT. Just have to get my notes right here. Here we go. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. So he calls Jesus a rabbi, a teacher. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. So he obviously is willing to admit. So he's smart, but he's he's kind of like Paul, you know, but, but he even is more open. He's like, he's open to Jesus and he's not proud. He's humble. Yeah, that's the best kind of teaching person. You know, they, I've heard it said that if you meet somebody who's really famous and they make a lot of money, stop talking about yourself, just close your mouth and let them, and just listen and let that person impart wisdom to you if you want to know how they've um, succeeded in the business world. Verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. 
What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? So he's very concrete in his beliefs. Have you ever met somebody and you try to say something and it's kind of like a metaphor or simile and they don't get what you're saying? They're, they're totally confused. Like, I, you know, there are some people, like I, I, there was this woman in the gym and I kind of made a joke or something. She didn't really get it. And I'm thinking, like, there's nothing there. Like, we got nothing in, in the mental space. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, may, you might meet something, and I wasn't trying to meet this person at all. I wasn't interested in this person at all. But you make a joke with some people, and they look at you like you're a zombie or a salamander. And you go, this person is absolutely clueless. And some, some women really look good, but the, the headspace, uh, we, we don't have a connection, a meeting of the minds. So, obviously, nothing else could happen, right? Verse 5. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Water and the spirit. So it sounds like baptism and the spirit. Being born of the Holy Spirit. How do you keep the Ten Commandments if you don't love God? Somebody said if you read the Bible, but you weaponize everything in the Bible because you read it in a hate-filled um, atmosphere or a spirit, a spirit of weaponizing the Bible, or you're a skeptic, you want to shake your fist at God. The Bible doesn't mean anything to you. It's a collection of stories and nothing more. It doesn't make any sense. People read Genesis and they, all they fight about, this is a literal story or not a literal story. Who cares if it's literal or not? Personally, um, I have my certain beliefs I can keep to myself. But what does a story teach you? What, what higher principles does it teach you? It teaches me a lot about Adam, Eve, about marriage, about pride, about what the devil represented, about what God... It teaches me things that... You know, this is things I've heard from others and things that I'm just like thinking about it on myself. I'm not saying that I'm super smart and super metaphorical or super Shakespeare. But what I'm saying is, what does it teach you? And if you don't have the spirit living in you, um, then, you know, how, how is God going to teach you? He said, without me, you can do nothing. Without God's spirit in you, nothing makes sense. In fact, without God's spirit, how do you have successful relationships between men and women? I don't think it's really happening anymore. Because people just don't want God in their life. They want to do it all themselves. Even they can't even do successful relationships anymore. Like it just doesn't work. Because without God, God is the glue between men and women. God is the connections between society. God is the, is the glue between people. How they re relate to each other. How they respect each other. How they can listen to each other. Not just talk at each other, but listen to each other. People talk about listening to each other. And you got two ears and one mouth. You know, I'm just talking um, to you. Uh, we're not really having a conversation, but but if we were having a conversation, sometimes it's hard to listen. But yet God put two ears on our head and one mouth because I think he wanted us to listen twice as much as we talk. Some people talk and never listen to anyone but themselves. Verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Interesting. Somebody said that sex between a man and a woman is a spiritual act, not just a physical one. That made me think. That made me think a lot. We you know all the society is all about promoting the physical act, but without the spiritual life that the Holy Spirit gives, it doesn't really last very long. It doesn't last. Verse 7, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can explain how people are born of the Spirit. My ex-wife is the one who started saying, not self-centered, but other-centered. She began to use this term, other-centered. Where did she get that? 
isn't that what being born again is? We're going from being self-centered to everything for me to other-centered. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. One guy said, one psychiatrist said, um, there's two sides. One side is self-centered. I will kill you so that I can live. But Jesus said, I will die for you so that you will live. So you can see the total difference in how God approaches the universe. Love is other-centeredness, not self-centeredness. The devil is totally self-centered. He's a narcissist. He's pride. He has no love for anyone but himself. And he probably hates himself too. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. No. God gives to whomever he will, but that person must want to let God in. So I don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. God reaches into a person, but somehow that person wants that to happen or opens the door or says, come in. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied in verse 10, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? The old covenant to me is about earthly things. It's about concrete things. It's good. It's rules. It's concrete rules. You need rules. But when is the day that comes when you, you graduate from the rules and say, I don't need these rules anymore because I can do this. This is part of who I am. It's part of my character. I don't work out just for you know, muscles. I did that because I wanted attention and I wanted to get girls and I wanted to do something well. You do it just because it's part of your character. I mean, what am I working out for? The body's dying. Body's, body's going to hell. But, you know, I think to myself, I'm really chiseling my character. I'm really trying to be, by, by um, honing my character, honing my will, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not a super athlete. I can't imagine some of these athletes who have this mental picture, who make it happen through their mental. I'm not, I'm not on that quantum level. But when you think about it, everything you're doing is really to hone your mind, your character. Because your character is what you take to God. We're studying a book in our men's fellowship, The Measure of a Man. And it's talking about how Paul was talking to Timothy and Paul was talking to Titus and trying to tell these guys, you know, you're, you're building a church now. You're going to be a minister now. You need to find men who, have con who are spiritual but constant and consistent and who are mature, right? Being a sinner, you just, you're, you're a little kid. You do whatever you want. The world doesn't work like that. You have to be respectful and you have to be mature. That's what being a Christian, you, you be mature. You got to grow up sometime. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Like I am approaching 60 years old, and if I don't have some kind of maturity, then I'm a lousy Christian. One guy on the internet was talking about the dating, said, forget about what people say, watch what they do. Nobody cares what you say. Nobody cares about your theology. They want to see, do you have power? They want to see something that challenges them. And they want to say, where's this guy getting this power? Where is he getting this peace? Where is he getting this confidence? Where is he getting this... Um, maturity from like it looks good and I want that nobody cares about theology all this theology mumbo jumbo talk it's just pie in the sky artsy fartsy um, 50,000 ways to say Father, Son and Holy Spirit I don't really care you say you're a Christian I really don't care people say who cares if you're a Christian 
What's your character like? Are you a nice? Are you an approachable person? Are you a nice person? Some people say they're char- they're they're Christians and they're just bitter people. They don't even smile. They just glare at you. Ugh. They have no personality whatsoever. They're like boring. They're like cardboard. Okay, do you, do you have a smile on your face? Do you have a personality? Are you like approachable? Are you even warm? Okay, you don't have to invite everybody into your personal space. And you can be shy. But some people, you know, they don't even they don't even look at you. They just race right by you. You know, I open the door to people and you know, I I it's it's a job that evolved for me. To be honest, I'm I'm kind of like the guy, the doorman. I'm the doorman at the church. My pastor, my one of my former pastors, you know, he would greet people. He had a name with a book with all their names. And I'm not a person that's like a, a talkative person. I'm not like an alpha. I'm kind of like a shy person. But I was standing with him when I got baptized in the church, which, you know, he rebaptized me. So I was staying. And then when he left, it just kind of evolved. And, you know, I open the door to people. I say good morning to them. I, I try to be warm and friendly, try to help people out of the car. But there are some people that, that will walk right by you, put their head down, just walk right by you. And I have a negative reaction to that. There's a woman that comes in with her two kids and they don't say a word to me. It really ticks me off. Like you've got no personality, right? Like, are you having a bad life, a bad week or a bad day? Well, you can't even say thank you. Like, what is your, what, what's your, what's your kid's problem? Do they think they're higher than everybody else? It's a turnoff. If you're a Christian and you're a cold like ice, you need to rethink if the Holy Spirit actually lives in you or if it's just a lot of word sounds. You can't control anybody else but yourself. But, you know, it's like anything. I know that God has given me worth. I don't have to worry about what somebody else thinks. I don't need to find girls to validate me anymore. I'm one of those guys, you know, why doesn't she like me? I'm rejected. Went with somebody else. I really don't care anymore. I had a great marriage. It's gone now. I pray for my children. I go to church. I go to work out with my friends. I'm glad I have a job. I'm not bankrupt yet. I'm doing this because it's just fun for me and I just want to give Jesus back something. There's no pastor here. I don't want to be somebody that that, that is a pastor. I like the word of God, but I honestly don't want to tell people what I think as adults they should already know. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. How did I get into that long-winded diatribe? He says... If you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus knows where he's come from. He has come down from heaven. God has sent him. We can't go up to heaven. The Tower of Babel... How many people are on TikTok and YouTube with all their ideas about relationships and dating and dating coaches and all this stuff, but they're now married? My parents weren't the brightest people in the world, but they were married for 48 years till cancer came and took my mother. Okay, and let me tell you, they had fights, but they made it work. People today, oh, I need to find myself. I don't know who I am. What, you're 35 years old. Don't you know who you are? Going from pillar to post? Is that how you want to live your life? Hey, no problem. That sounds like people who are children. Honestly, they have adult bodies and they don't know who they are. When are you going to mature? 
it's time to grow up. And I think that God is the only one you can grow up into. Jesus is not my religion, folks. He's my savior. He's life and relationships and service. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And Jesus says he is very confident that he must be lifted up, that you must look to him by faith, just like that bronze snake. As, as the pastor said in the sermon, people looked in the direction of the snake. They couldn't even see the thing on the pole. Nobody, every, not everybody was standing with an eye shot of that thing. Moses says, turn around and look in the direction. I can't see it. Doesn't matter. It's there. It represents Jesus. I can't. I wasn't there when Jesus was on the cross. I didn't see the whole thing. I didn't see some of the stuff in the Bible. But Jesus says, trust me and believe me. He says, blessed are those who uh, have not seen. He said this to Thomas and yet have believed me. Believe me that I am the way, the truth, and life. He says this. What does he teach? Life and relationships. Life and relationships. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Here it is. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus comes along and says, you know that God in the Old Testament, the guy who marched with Israel in the wars and you know, the, all, the, all the negative languages in the Old Testament, that God's name is Yahweh, and that God is to be respected and reverenced, and that God is your Father, our Father. That, that God loves you. He doesn't hate you, but if, there is, if, if life is tough, it's because He's chastising you, because you're worth it to Him. He wants your allegiance and your heart, and sometimes your pride takes a hit. Everybody's pride takes a hit because we all have pride and ego and sin and self and self-reliance. And Jesus is the one who says, I am meek and humble and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 17, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. I love that. But yet John 5 does say, the judgment has been committed to the Son. So there is some kind of evaluation going on. And we are not, really cannot judge each other. We can evaluate each other, and you certainly have to evaluate people who come into your life. You know, as we were talking about in the fellowship, um, show me a dude's friends, and I'll show you his future. And if your friends are pulling you down, you need to distance yourself from them. And you could say, well, you're, you're judging them. Well, no, you're evaluating that they're not a good fit for you. You are trying to serve God and Jesus, and they're just doing all these weird drugs and all these weird stuff. You need to back away from them. Find yourself a better circle of friends who are going to uplift you, and you're going to uplift them. I do have wonderful friends in the gym, and I love them. I do love them as guys love other guys in the, in the regular way, but they curse and they swear and they... And they don't have a priority of God. And I pray for them every day. I don't tell them that because then they would feel like weird, you know. Or they might feel that I'm trying to push my Jesus on them or my religion, which I'm not doing. Maybe if they see my life, it will show them something. They'll see something that's not just a fake, but something that's real and authentic. Like I can depend on this guy to be here. I can depend on him to give me a spot. 
I can that he's a good he's a good guy. He's not a player. It says and the judgment is based on the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the oh sorry I I got mixed up here. Verse seventeen. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through Him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. So in some way, Jesus, you could say that he's arrogant, you could say he's crazy, as C.S. Lewis said, or you could say that he's very confident that he knows who he is. He knows he's the, he's the um, way, the truth, and the life. And if he didn't talk like this, you wouldn't really, you'd have a problem, right? Hey, if you are the truth, why don't you talk in a confident way? Well, he's doing that for you. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that what they are doing is what God wants. Decide what you want to do. Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went to the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time with them. They're baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anion near Salem because there was plenty of water there and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before he was thrown into prison. Verse 25, it says, A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. So I, I don't know, maybe... Somebody started baptizing in Jesus' name, right? Because John's baptism was repentance of sins. Okay, I'm sorry for my sins, but Jesus is baptizing into the new covenant. We can now have a new way of serving, interacting with God. And it's about relationships. That's what the new covenant is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your might. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Is that not coming from the Old Testament? So Jesus is just basically saying, guys, we're doing all this stuff for what? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it, God told you to do this? But really at the base of it all was relationships. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is the best Jew of all. Judaism was the religion of Jesus, was the religion of Jesus, but Christianity is the religion about Jesus. Everybody's going to him instead of coming to us. So they're kind of getting a little bit jealous. Envy, jealous. You know what John says? This is huge, man. This is really huge. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You can't get anything unless God gives it to you. Are you open to it? Yet you yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. He is humble. It's not about him and he knows this. It's not about me either. Okay, I don't really care if I have any followers in this. I didn't do it for followers. I did it because I want to say thank you to Jesus. But if there's some way that I can promote Jesus, maybe somebody out there, one of you guys wants to hear. Okay, I'm just I'm just a big mouth reading. The voice you want to hear and attach to is God. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. We're the bride or God is the bridegroom. And Jesus marries us, the bride, to God. I don't know how it works exactly. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. He says he's the best man. He's kind of the guy who supports, right? Therefore, I am filled with joy as his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. 
Promote Jesus, exalt Jesus. Jesus is the savior. I'm just a little guy in a one bedroom apartment living in a small town, which I absolutely love. And I'm happy with that. I don't need to be number one. I don't need to be rich. I don't need anything anymore. I'm just happy that Jesus likes me. And he said he would walk with me to the end of my life, to the end of the world. Verse 31. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things. But he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. It's so true. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. God is love. Yahweh is love. He was tough on the Israelites and he'll be tough on you too. But that's because he loves you and he's grooming you for eternal communion with him. God doesn't hate you. If he really wanted to get rid of us, he could have snapped his fingers. It would have been done. God created us to love him. Love is a choice. And he gave us all the space in the world to make that choice. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words for God gives him the spirit without limit. Jesus has the Holy Spirit, not 100%, but infinite percent. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. God bless. I hope my clumsy words kind of pushed you to read this. I would be very happy. I would be able to say to the Lord, my life had some meaning if I could influence others for your son, for King Jesus, and for yourself, Lord. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your patience and all the best. Take care.